do PG Tip sponsor the Pyramid Stage? Who was so well known by Elaine Page? Well, we are kicking off with the feedback you have been waiting all week for. The listeners who hear their parents have sex. Uh, It's good to know right at the beginning of an episode, we've already made this podcast awkward for any families listening together in the car right now. Mercifully, this never happened to me, but even though I grew up in a large house with the uh, bathroom far away from everywhere else... There was something about the acoustics that magnified bathroom noise. Oh no! Want to enjoy? It's like there was an intercom in there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was. Oh god! Well, Alex from Australia has been in touch to say your last episode segment on dealing with parents having sex brought back disturbing memories, as I have been in this position. Great choice of words, Alex. Yeah, we specifically did not ask to know about positions. <laughs> uh, my father was in a loveless marriage for twelve or so years. Hooray, no sex there then. (laughs) Score. (laughs) And recently got out. He quickly found a new partner. Mm. Uh, And I was living with Dad at the time. And yet not cramping his style. Apparently not. Uh, My room was not only right next to theirs, but I didn't have a proper door, just a weird folding one. Oh, no. I tried a couple of tricks to stop the noise or block it out. Right. Uh, I would, for example, listen to my iPod with a pillow over my head. uh, And that worked most of the time, apart from when I had to change song. Why would that be? I suppose you have to sort of retract upwards to view the screen and then well, you're allowing a small amount of noise in. Yeah, well, there's a couple of seconds of uh, pause. Oh, I see. Tracks. Yes, of course. Yeah, you get the sound bleed, don't you? You need you... noise-cancelling earphones then. Alex needed to have planned a playlist beforehand and made sure that iTunes was set that the tracks overlapped. Yes. Capitalist playback. Capitalist, yeah. yeah. Thanks, um, I also tried playing angry music loudly out of my laptop, hoping they would get the message. Fuck the pain away, fuck the pain away. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably so quiet from a laptop they wouldn't even notice with it. Yeah, very yeah. tinny. Very tinny. Probably need more bass. Mid coitus, you're not going to think, hmm, what is that thrash metal I can hear? <laughs> Unless you're seeking a distraction. Um, I confronted my dad, oh, continues well Alex, but uh, he persisted in the loud sex. I well, probably thought you've already heard it, so he might as well continue to get his. It's, you're already traumatised and broken. It's almost as if the carnal instinct is somehow stronger than the paternal one. He had 12 years to make up for. Unfortunately for your listener, my solution was to move out as soon as possible and trade loud parent sex for traffic noises. A dramatic improvement. It's nice when something bad becomes good just because it's not the same as the old thing. By comparison, yeah. Yes. It's like now that we no longer live next to a railway line, the occasional siren in the night doesn't seem as bad. We've also had Gary in Lincolnshire writing in on the subject of last episode, and he says regarding our discussion of webuyanycar.com mm. and uh, cash for gold type websites. I was told by a friend who was told by the police after he was burgled that those we buy gold and we buy watches services are used by burglars. Oh. They already have the envelopes written and ready in their pockets. They fill them up with stolen items from the house they're raiding. No. Then they drop them into the nearest post box second after the robbery. See, now that is so mm. obvious, but actually hadn't occurred to me because I'm not a criminal. And yet, try finding a post box when you need one. Quite difficult these days. <laughs> uh, Gary says, it solves two problems in one fell swoop. No possession of stolen goods and no need to deal with a fence. What's a fence in this context? It's the middleman between the stealer of the goods and the bar of the stolen goods. Oh, okay, that's known as a fence, is it? Yeah. Plus, says Gary, they're getting a guaranteed price. These places should be shut down! They're scandalous! <laughs> Go on, Ollie, LBC DJ respond. <laughs> <laughs> well, pre- presenter, Helen, not known as DJs. Sorry, I don't no spin discs. discs, I spin opinion. Yeah, but you do ride a pony while you're in the studio. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, presumably, in defence of these companies, they still have a record of what they've bought. So if the police were to mm-hmm. ask them, you know, have you sold in this combination a Cartier watch and one diamond earring, then they'd be able to say yes, and it came from this person, because yes, yes. they then send that person the money. So yes. it's not that sensible a thing There's to do. They've got their address. Exactly. Yeah. Which you probably don't have with the fence. It was weird, wasn't it, when there was um, that particularly heavy spate of uh, thieves stealing metal because scrap metal had become so expensive yeah. and they stole um, railway lines yeah but also they stole a, a Barbara Hepworth statue from Dulwich Park it was like a six foot huge statue surely that would be more valuable as the statue as rather the statue. than melted down yeah but, but it's more in, identifiable but again it's it's sort of the lowest common denominator isn't it they they're in a desperate situation they want money for drugs or more crime they're gonna think well i know i can get money this way mm. we buy any sculpture.com yeah <laughs> it's only a matter of time maybe we come up with a new one maybe my dad would make more money out of sculpting if he sold his sculptures <laughs> melted down for scrap hello it's kirsty from greenwich helen and ollie answer me this what are you meant to do with birthday cards and christmas cards i just have piles of them and I just don't know what what you're meant to do. Are you supposed to file them away? Are you supposed to just chuck them? It seems really callous. I just I don't know what to do with them. I keep the good ones in a drawer, you know, the ones that are quite personal, they've got a decent amount of message yes. in. Yes. But it just means I've got a drawer full of cards that I probably won't look at until I'm dying. I have a technique for this as well. I bet you do. Do you have files per year, colour coded? No. Oh. Uh, I have a section at the bottom of my bedside table where I keep memorabilia. Yep. Um but what I found is that I'm not in a position to judge on the day I've received the cards or realistically mm. a week or two weeks later when you're taking them down from display. I'm not in a position at that point to judge whether five or ten years down the line I'll still be interested in yeah. it. Um, and I guess morbidly what I'm thinking here is, you know, what if this is the year my grandmother dies and this is the last mm. card she sent me and she said, you know, she's so proud of me because of this and this. That's not the one I want to throw in the bin. Yeah, I never threw away my grandma's postcards, even though she didn't necessarily say anything particularly interesting on them. And now that she's dead, I'm really happy whenever I turn one up and I see her hand. Exactly, yes. So what I do is I keep all of them for a year. Okay, yeah. Th- then yep. the following year, two weeks after my next birthday, yes. I review the ones from the year before. And I think, right, Grandma's still alive. Do I need this one as an example of Grandma's card? Or has the one from 2014 superseded the one from 2013, Mm. nostalgia-wise? That's a very uh, sober assessment. Yes. Yes, it's sort of uh, Brett Easton Ellis-like, but I find it useful. If it's a really cool picture, you could put it on the wall in a little frame. Yes. More for birthday than Christmas. Now, as a crafty, crafter-type craft person... Sew them into a toy. um, (laughs) (laughs) You can make a beautiful dress. <laughs> I was going to ask if you would ever re-gift a beautiful card. Well, we did used to turn Christmas cards into the next year's parcel tags. Yes. We cut, just cut off the front if it didn't have any writing in, so you got the picture. Which is better back. than throwing it in the bin. Yes. But at the same time, someone might feel disrespectful if they knew the card they gave you got chopped up and given to someone else. Could you use nice cards as bookmarks? Of course you could. You could use anything as a bookmark that's uh, bookmark size, theoretically. That's, that's smaller than a book. The question is, should you? But <laughs> yes, no, you could. Yes. you could. You absolutely could. Could make them into giant playing cards if they're all similar size. Here's a question from Pat from Canada who says, Helen, answer me this. Raccoons are pooping on my cabana. <laughs> Any suggestions? Who you what? What a delightfully succinct question. <laughs> What's a cabana? It's like a gazebo. Sometimes it's attached mm. to a house. A bandstand in your own garden. You could get rid of the cabana. 
one option. Well, I think the implication is she does not want to do that. The implication, if anything, is she wants to get rid of the raccoons, but I guess uh, best option, the raccoons poop. There are preventative options, which is sealing off uh, any entrance points into your garden, which might not be possible, mm. I guess, and uh, get rid of any sources of food that they might be enjoying. And what do raccoons rubbish like? Bins. Rubbish. Really? Apparently mothballs repel them. Really? Maybe raccoons mm. are genetically linked to moths. One of the things that will get rid of a raccoon is ammonia. So, Pat, apparently the best thing to do is to save your first piss of the day <laughs> and then, just before dusk, because that's when the raccoons come out, pour it around the perimeter of your cabana. Because raccoons like to be clean and hygienic, so they're mm. repelled by that. And if you repeat it enough, they're not going to come... Uh, but if you don't like that, then um, you could uh, chop an onion and a jalapeno pepper and mix with one tablespoon of cayenne pepper. Boil in two quarts of water for 20 minutes. Once cooled, strain the mixture through a cheesecloth and pour it into a spray bottle. Through a cheesecloth? That's a, a thin piece of cloth. It's having to go and buy quite a lot of things just use to make si- this repellent. Use a sieve with a paper towel. Look, Ollie, it's like that. You're, you're pissing on your own gazebo. Yeah. <laughs> Spritz any area where the raccoons are congregating. Repeat every three to five days until the raccoons are gone. So 20 years later, she could be like... They must be going soon. Mm. Your basic options are have a gazebo that smells of piss or a gazebo that smells of onions. <laughs> oh Well, or you could install motion-detecting lights on your cabana because apparently raccoons Ooh. hate lights. No, that's a good idea. Or, of course, you could get Cyril Sneer involved to oh uh, boot them out the forest. <laughs> what has he been up to the last 30 years? <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't realise. It's only just recently reconsidering the raccoons one of my favorite saturday morning kids tv God, shows that was of the amazing 80s. That show. i'm surprised that you watched it actually helen because yeah. because uh, you didn't have any childhood pleasure no. um, but you were allowed that that's good to know yes um well, i can't really remember much about yeah because you're story. old you're old it was a bit like wall street wasn't it but played by <laughs> raccoons <laughs> i think possibly yeah they ran a newspaper some of them cyril snare had a big cigar didn't he and a yeah. long bent nose he yeah they, they all it was had kind of like mr burns they all had phallic noses uh, retrospectively, mm. you realise uh, flaccid, but uh, but uh, large, like that Muppet. That's yes, that exactly like that. Yeah, um, there are animals that have long noses. You know? It's not all about. There are, yeah. like, yes. like but you make a choice, don't you, when you animate those animals, whether but, to accentuate that yeah. cartoonishly or not. Yeah, whether I mean, to in raccoon's it case, uh, yeah. there's definitely. Oh, they went for it. But I never realised until reconsidering it now that the, the raccoons actually were Canadian. That show was made oh. by the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Wow. Uh, because raccoons, as Pat is telling us, are a Canadian rather than American issue, largely. Like Orphan Black as well. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Aww. Canadian, but people don't know. Jim Carrey, Canadian. Michael Cera, Canadian. I knew about them being Dan Canadian. Dan Canadian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ryan's Reynolds is, and Gosling. Is Neil Young Canadian? Wow, Gosling as well. Yeah, Gosling. The Gos. Gosmeister. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Gosingtons. <laughs> Mark Atwood. Margaret Atwood. She's you always have to lower the tone, don't you, Martin? <laughs> I've got a question. Then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Here is a question from Alex from Berry, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Is the urban myth true that you get a free McDonald's on your wedding day? If it is, I know who I'm proposing to this weekend. (laughs) Is it the Hamburglar? (laughs) So my girlfriend and I can start planning to raid our local chains for a free meal every week. Well, how would you Kind of wedding days. I think you just uh, go in a tux and a wedding dress saying, it's our wedding day. That's a lot of effort. So much effort. 
probably you'd spend more in dry cleaning the McDonald's stains <laughs> off your tux and wedding dress than you would on just buying McDonald's. I suspect that if the manager is present and it really is obviously, evidently and provably your wedding day, then of course they're going to at least chuck in a free burger uh, or drink because that's what students get anyway just by being students. Really? If you buy a meal, you get a free McFlurry or burger. But you still have to pay for so have to a pay product. For the value meal, yeah, okay. but free burger included. Right. So really, the manager's going to do that kind of deal for you without even thinking about it. I can't find any evidence that this so-called urban myth is true. In fact, I've never heard this urban myth. Uh, what it's I not ha- really urban myth like hook-handed person on the roof of your car when you break no, down in the exactly. night kind of urban it, myth. Well, it certainly doesn't seem to have those kind of legs. Um, or hooks. If you look into this on the internet, what you find instead are there are quite a scarily depressing amount of people who have got married actually in McDonald's. Oh. Um, now I say it's I say it's scary, depressing, and because it is. Because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's more than zero. Um, but actually, why didn't they go Burger King? At least that's the king of something. Well, in fairness, you you watch the video because usually the local press turn up and film them. Mm. You watch the video. There's I've seen one couple in Scottsdale, Arizona, in 1999 talking about why they chose their McDonald's. I saw a couple from Bristol in uh, 2013 explaining oh. why they chose McDonald's. And actually, both times I watched the videos, sort of preparing myself to uh, sneer in the Jeremy Kyle-style way. But did you find yourself tearing up at the romance? A little. <laughs> I kind of thought, well, actually, they were really sincere in both cases. The, f- the first couple were like, well, the thing is, we love McDonald's. We come here every Saturday night for dinner. And uh, it's a place where we feel at home. And it's we wanted to commemorate that. sort of 1950s about it. Exactly. The idea that an American family would get for a burger meal on yeah, a Saturday night. Exactly. That's their treat. On their way to the sock hop. And the, <laughs> and the Bristol couple were saying, this is where we met. Um, and so, so I just think well you know they were saying yeah. other people don't like it but it's our wedding it's our day this is True. how we want to do it and we're saving the money their, their wedding Good cost them 150 point. quid saving the money to uh, to spend on the honeymoon we met on a pedestrian crossing a long wall street and please would have chosen not to get married there it would have been dangerous I thought we'd met in a, a mosquito infested amphitheatre in the dock in our college Oh, that might have been a better place, actually. That would have been quite a good place to get married. That would be really nice, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, too late now. Yeah, fuck that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. We, I guess we blew it. Okay, fine. That's sort of sweet, but also still completely shit. Well, they did get a free bottle of champagne from the manager. They weren't permitted to drink it on the premises. Uh, But they were given it by the manager. Well, uh, In return for the thousands of pounds worth of free publicity that he was getting. Although McDonald's is not an under-advertised company. It's not, but it's not necessarily advertised in such a wholesome way. I mean, it fits no. so perfectly with their brand, doesn't it? As you family. were saying, the American burger meal, the family, yeah, starting a family, get married at McDonald's. Also, I've been to weddings where the food is much worse. more expensive than that and not very good. Mm. So actually, this could be a lot worse. Although we had fish and chips at our wedding, so that's pretty, just because it came in an old tram yeah. doesn't mean that it's much classier than McDonald's, does they it? Were good fish and chips. Yeah, it was really good fish and chips, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everyone likes, well, not everyone, vegetarians don't. Well, they had deep fried brie. And deep fried mushrooms and uh, stuff like that. Well, everyone likes a fast food treat, is what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, And although McDonald's is my least favourite, it's still in the category. Now, if you do want to get a free McDonald's, uh, Mm. there is a way you can do it. Uh, There are many videos online of people doing this. Is it standing outside by the bins waiting for them to throw the stuff away? It is technically breaking the law. And I'm, again, I want to stress, not advocating this. Holding up a McDonald's Uh, with a gun, no. (laughs) Don't. It's it's along the lines of my free pret orange juice idea. No, you're I'm sorry, I'm not advocating. I'm just explaining, this is what... Free, the free orange juice, the discount cinema tickets, because you <laughs> tend to be an OEP. What next? You mastermind. The con is basically this. Go to a McDonald's drive-thru when it's busy. Okay, mm. so there has to be a car in front and behind. Otherwise, this doesn't oh. work. Do not order. What, drive oh, straight no. past. Yeah, I know, it's bad. Go to the first window where they take your money and say, 
Oh, actually, sorry, I've changed my mind. I was going to have a McFlurry, but I've changed my mind. Uh, so I'm just really just seeing the line out. And they'll wave you through. What are they going to say? You have to order something. No. Go to the second window <laughs> and take the food that the people behind you have just ordered. Oh, oh. my God. So yeah. the victims are both McDonald's and the people behind you. Well, you might keep some upset children waiting five minutes longer for their McFlurry. But really, what are McDonald's going to say to those people? I mean, they have lost their food. They're going to think they're the hucksters. Whereas it was you, you criminal mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, I don't advocate it, but... Uh, you sort of did, but just by telling people how it's done. That sounds like it's you've done it. It's interesting though, isn't it? Have you done it? Was yeah, that theoretical? I've not done it. No, I just... I, there's videos on YouTube of people doing it. Mostly French teenagers, which okay. is interesting, doing it. Well, stay tuned for Ollie's next grifting tip coming up <laughs> in a moment. It's like John Cusack is in the room. Well, here's another question of really high-end food and drink. It's from Sam, who says... My wife, six months on, mm. is still incensed by Alexander Armstrong's assertion that people would be happy to pay an extra £50 over and above what you would normally pay, a fiver in our case, for a bottle of wine for Christmas dinner. £50? Well, Alexander Armstrong is... Loaded. Yes, he's wealthier than the rest of us. All those voiceovers. It's the daytime quiz. If you do a daytime quiz, that is money for old rope. Brilliant. If you're in that business, because you go go to a studio, you record five in a day. So that's a week's worth in a day. It's on over 300 days a year, that show. So you go and you record basically a whole year's worth in three months. And then you're on telly every day. You get all the repeat fees when it's sold to Challenge and it doesn't dent your career afterwards. For some reason, people don't think of it like doing commercials. And yet he does also a lot of commercials. Yeah, Armstrong gets away with it, doesn't he? He does. So charming, isn't he? Like Mitchell and Webb get away with it. Yes, they're charming too. We can be charming, corporates. Yeah. (laughs) But I saw the uh, programme to which uh, Sam is referring. Right. Uh, It was a Christmas special in which Alexander Armstrong and Giles Corrin, who apparently is his brother-in-law, which I didn't know, uh, basically just had a huge jolly. What, what was Massive the jolly on the BBC. It was on BBC Two, and it was called something like Alexander Alex and, and Giles's Christmas piss up, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was just them doing that thing where you completely unnecessarily. Hugh Fernley Whistingstall does this as well. Mm. I'm interested by this type of fish, so I'm going to travel to Vietnam to meet someone who knows about it. Classic yeah. Heston Blumenthal show yeah. type tactics, isn't it? Where does Pepper come from? Oh, it just happens to be a really glamorous hotel in India. Let's go there. So there was a lot of that going on. So Alexander Armstrong and Giles Corrin went on a booze trip around the world to find out about different wines. I did not realise TV had the budget anymore for this kind of thing. I know. They Uh, should just lock those people down. You're going to do something about Whitstable oysters and steak and kidney pies and you're going to lump it. Yeah, yeah. Look, get in the room and banter. That's what we paid for. Don't need any backdrop. (laughs) Corrin, Armstrong, here you go. Here's 20 grand, now talk. Could be like Smith and Jones doing exactly. that talking head thing. It would be just the same, wouldn't it? Yeah. But anyway, the premise of the show was that... Um, uh, I can't remember which of them, but from the way Sam's asked the question, I presume Armstrong. Apparently. One of them had suggested a more expensive bottle of wine than the other, mm. uh, and they both had to travel the world and find a bottle of wine to challenge oh. each other with at the end for the perfect wine to accompany Christmas dinner. Such a hardship. How do they cope? (laughs) They should be made saints whilst they're still alive. So Sam has a question relating to this programme. He says, my wife thinks that uh, for the majority of people in the UK, 55 or 60 pounds at Christmas could be more than their Christmas dinner altogether. Also, you can buy a lot more booze for that money than one bottle of wine. I once bought the Iceland, I think it's 15 pounds Christmas dinner. Um, it wasn't mm. for my Christmas dinner. It was for a kind of friend one that we did a week before Christmas. Okay. But it can be done. How was it? Um, three stars, but not okay. terrible. How many people? 
Uh, fed four to six. Okay. Yeah. I think there were four of us, but enough food for six people. You Impressive. know how it is. Impressive. That's amazing. Uh, I think, says Sam, that there are plenty of people who can afford an extra 55 or 60 pounds at Christmas for a bottle of wine. Which of us is right? Well, you're both right. You're both right. Some In people can, some people can't. They're not can't. mutually exclusive That's statements. Right. You need to work on your logic, mate. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that even people with pretty good taste would balk at spending that much money for a bottle of I wine. I would never spend that amount of money, but money on wine. I wouldn't even spend that much on a good bottle of whiskey. Look, I know people are going to disagree with me, but you can get good wine for a fiver, and you can definitely get good wine for a tenner, mm. and definitely 15 and 20 pounds. It's such a huge yes. leap to over 50 quid. But you're not a drinker. It's not really your thing at all. No, but Do you I acknowledge th- that for some people, if they love wine and they can taste the difference of a £55 bottle, then it is worth it? I, I think a tiny, tiny number of people, even those who are interested in wine and keen to drink, would see the difference. Apparently, even in blind taste tests, people don't necessarily mm. notice the difference that much. And also, I think Christmas is kind of wasting it. Yeah. You're so full of food and other things. Your palate is screwed. And actually, you've been drinking cheap alcohol yeah. over the whole period. Unavoidably. You've been going to parties, drinking mulled wine made up of those Sainsbury's wine boxes. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bucks Fizz with like some Sometimes ready mix from little. Yeah. I mean, it's not quality yeah. stuff, so you're shot. If you're drinking snowballs and eating cranberry sauce, there's no way yeah. Yeah. you're going to tell the difference between yeah. a five and a 55 pound. Yeah, I think for most people as well, Christmas is a particularly bad time to spend this extra money on wine because Christmas is expensive, especially if you're feeding a lot of people. And if you buy one bottle of 50 pound wine, but you've mm. got 12 relatives coming, it's not going to go around everyone. So maybe. If you're thinking treat wine, this should be for when you've got an anniversary coming up or a special date or something like that. I think that's probably right. And I think if you're going to spend extra on any of the details at Christmas, buy a better turkey. Buy a better yeah. turkey. That's the centrepiece of the whole meal. Buy- and it is a living creature that's died for it. Yeah. Buy a twice as big Christmas tree. You won't regret it <laughs> until you have to get it out of your house afterwards. You, you really t- have lived your life by that, Maxim. I can verify. Uh, yeah. A full bin of <coughs> pine needles after this one. And there's still ones around six months later. What a fantastically unseasonal question this is. It is. Well, the wife is still angry six months on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't really write these things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, No, that's indeed. I discovered uh, this week, reading a BuzzFeed article celebrating 30 years since the release of Gremlins, that Gremlins was a summer film, which no, seems so odd. But so set at Christmas. <laughs> exactly. And, they, and Zach Galligan, the uh, main guy, was saying, well, we just didn't really think about the fact that it was set at Christmas. Like Die Hard. Later, it just became a Christmas classic, so it was set at Christmas, but wasn't intended to be one. Full of facts, Helen Zaltzman, even Thank when you. you haven't specifically requested them. <laughs> I know. They just flow out You're of like, you. Eat my facts. <laughs> That's going to be my new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great title. I like it. Um, I am I'm thinking of making some new shows, listeners. So mm. If you want that one, send yeah. me some emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for <laughs> eat my facts. Well, it's like It's a Wonderful Life wasn't meant to be a Christmas film either. Stop it, Helen. Save it they for your future podcasting career. it in a very, career. very hot summer. <laughs> Apparently it was unbearable having to wear all the coats and stuff. Amazing. Any more facts about Christmas films that aren't Christmas films? I'm done. I've eaten all the facts you have to offer. You've cooked all the facts up. Well, it might not be the season for Christmassy questions, but it is the season for sport. Sport, sport, sport. Which is uh, why I'll be retreating to my bunker for the rest of the summer and not coming out. <laughs> but even given my feelings of sport, I had a lot of fun making the ultimate this sports day with you, Ollie, and you, Martin. Because it's a bloody good album all about sporty things. It is. And for this episode's intermission, we are going to bring you a clip from it. If you like what you hear, folks, you can buy the album at answermethisstore.com. How do male athletes guarantee that they don't get erections? Have there been televised cases of professionals getting a stonk on? And do gymnasts, in particular, tape down their meat just in case? Well, the thing is, there's a lot of pressure when you're representing your country at the Olympic Games. It's probably not that arousing to be stared at by thousands of people and people with scorecards. That will usually (laughs) keep any kind of erectile activity down. 
Well, here's a question from Ryan, uh, who is a designer at a small printing company in Washington State. One of our customers is a homeopath slash hypnotist slash Reiki practitioner. She puts doctor in front of her name. She might, she might have a doctorate. Uh, and a bunch of BS credentials after it. Anyway, for an upcoming trade show, she wants me to update her brochure to describe how amazing homeopathy, Reiki and hypnosis are. What exactly else do you expect her to put in her brochure? Uh, and how they can help with just about every ailment, including cancer, PTSD, addiction, the list goes on and on. As a rational person, continues Ryan, I know it's all BS, but by helping this woman promote herself, am I contributing to the potential death of someone who, either out of desperation or ignorance, goes to this homeopath and dies because they got magic water instead of a treatment that is actually beneficial? I can't turn the customer away. That's not my prerogative. It's my boss's and he's a believer. So, Helen, answer me this. Help. What do I do? Well, if you can't turn the customer away, then you've got to do it, haven't you? You can't sabotage her brochure because she'll notice and tell your boss and then you'll probably get, if not a severe reprimand, fired. I think also you're blowing this out of proportion because surely if somebody was ill enough to die, but in a way that was still preventable, one would hope that even with the healthcare costs in America, they wouldn't solely seek the advice Hmm of a Reiki practitioner, for instance. Well, exactly. And even on the NHS, they say these things could be beneficial. What they say is they, they might not be prepared to pay for them because there isn't the scientific backing and yes. you should take traditional medicine too. But even if it's just the placebo effect at work, all she's claiming is that she's seen positive results for a wide range of ailments, which indeed maybe she has. And also, I don't think you would get people who would otherwise go into have chemotherapy or open heart surgery going... Oh, well, this has really converted me. People who are already somewhat interested in this will be inclined towards it. So I think she'd be preaching to the converted, wouldn't she? And there's a big difference between someone who hypothetically gives up their chemotherapy to have this and someone who, I don't know, is a bit miserable or has joint pain and goes and feels a bit better Mm, better about mm. it. So, you you know, you can't make generalisations about the kind of placebo treatment this woman's giving. Bottom line, in the commercial world, occasionally we're all asked to do things we don't entirely subscribe to, aren't we? And everyone does that for money. And, you know, if you're not ethically happy with that, then quit. But that is part of the job. No, there's a a middle point. You could say to your boss, can you just not put me on projects where I have to work on complete bullshit? She is just going to get someone else to do it Hmm. if, if he doesn't and the company doesn't even. So you can't prevent this information coming out. Should you stand idly by and allow it to come out? I don't think if you go to her and go, look, this is rubbish, she's going to come around to your viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, People it, generally don't, do they? If in my job at my radio show, I was handed a piece of paper by the producer that was to read out a little tease for a competition you could enter, mm. and I deliberately sabotage it and read it in the style of, uh, well, I'm being paid to tell you all about the new Nokia Lumia. Don't bother entering this. Sounds a bit shit. That wouldn't be fair, would it? That would be wrong. It's not your job to diss the Nokia Lumia, is no, it? No, it's paying for the commercials, which are on a commercial station, which are ultimately paying my fees, which is why I'm there. I accept that that is part of the job and I get to do other things I do like in return for doing those things. Yeah, but I, you wouldn't have to say Nokia Lumia. It's fantastic. Call in. You could just say we've got a Nokia Lumia. We've got a great competition. Yes, the yeah. competition can be fantastic. Yes, it can. You don't even really have to judge the product, do you? <laughs> and I suppose the thing you could do is you could, uh, for example, if you really don't believe in this, take mm. the fee that you're given as a result of this work and give it to an organisation which campaigns for Reikiists and hypnotists to have more regulation in their practice. Okay, I thought you were going to say take the fee and give it to a pharmaceutical giant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be the logical conclusion in a way. But because the point being, she's not doing anything illegal at the moment, is she? She's advertising her wares in a way that is legal. You find BS, you find dubious, but until there's more regulation on alternative health, she's playing within the rules. Uh, I think it's highly unethical. I mean, I kind of agree agree with one of those things. I think you're right, the placebo effect is quite an important point, but the placebo effect doesn't work if you tell, tell someone the medicine you're giving them is rubbish. 
Exactly. I suppose what he's really asking is for permission to put a little asterisk next to some of the claims he disbelieves and then on the back page just put BS. Tiny letters yeah. next to an asterisk. You'd probably get away with that. Wouldn't put BS in tiny letters on the backing like a wallpaper? <laughs> I think what annoys people like Ryan about this is that it's very unscientific. I mean, you can show the evidence that these things don't have any effect above and beyond doing nothing or above and beyond placebo but yet people start talking about the alignment of the energies and how it rearranges your yeah, DNA but and he all this works kind of for sense. a printing graphic design company I mean he must print ads all the time for you know drinks that are advertised in a way that suggests they're healthy and fun whereas actually they're full of sugar and they're going to give you type yep. 2 diabetes I mean that's the job I've got an idea for Ryan then he sets up his own business called the principal printer <laughs> and he only will print brochures for things that he personally believes in and endorses sounds like a great business idea but i think if you've got an alternative therapist going to a trade show then the cause is already out of your hands <laughs> well here's a question from james who says i'm watching stephen fry in america and i noticed a greyhound bus station how observant of you ollie answer me this how did greyhound bus get that name greyhound dogs are not well known for long distance travel or carrying several dozen passengers in their tiny rib cages. <laughs> they're quite quick, though. Yes. And they're known for their speed, aren't yes, they? Yes, swiftness. Although buses aren't necessarily known for their speed. It's faster than walking. Yeah, yeah. because buses that... aren't known for their speed, that doesn't mean they wouldn't want to associate Except themselves with something that is. <laughs> <laughs> they're faster than American trains, to be fair, because American trains go about twice as quick as walking pace. The subliminal message, clearly, corporately, is we will get you from A to B quickly. I mean, as, long as, as long as you put a rabbit in front of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Vum. Um... But actually, the, the answer is a little bit more complicated than that, mm -hmm. um, because it, it could easily have been called yellow buses or oh, blue goose lines that's or grey line Boring. Uh, or even the superior white bus line. Terrible. A little bit racist. That sounds a bit, yeah, that's yeah. a bit Klu Klux Klan, isn't it? Um, They're all crap names. Well, those are all names that existed uh, amongst fellow coach companies, mm. uh, which over time... Uh, Greyhound bought as franchisees ah, and co-owners ah, uh, and in the end they decided to consolidate under the name Greyhound but they could have gone with something else yeah but because it's the best one Greyline just sounds like bus route for pensioners doesn't sounds it sounds boring mm. yeah and the other one's just gibberish and they chose Greyhound initially although as I say it was a much smaller network of buses when they mm. did uh, simply because apparently the owner looked out the window once saw the reflection of the bus in the window thought it looked a bit like a greyhound how what? would you think a big cuboid bus looks like a skinny dog with a bit of imagination or you know, a bit of blindness and, well you know it's, this is how the American dream works is it drugs a bit of vision? imagination and entrepreneurism you can make anything happen hallucination obviously <laughs> have you ever been on a greyhound bus I have uh, from New York City to uh, upper New York State Lake George oh how it was, was it it was fine Okay, like, like a coach trip. <laughs> I took a greyhound from New York to New Jersey once. Yeah, it's quite pleasant. That's yeah. just across the river, isn't it? <laughs> it took about ten minutes. That was about an hour and a half. Um, is it a bit like being on a coach in Britain, where there are people mooning out the window and writing funny things in their breath on the window and everyone's mucking bit, around? Everyone's a bit depressed on greyhound buses. Really? Because it's such yeah. a it's such a mythologised sort I of thing. I think it depends where you get it from. Mine was full of very jivey people from New York. Really? Jivey? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, you know, street talk was going on at loud volume. Right, okay. Yeah. All right. A lot of hand Ooh. gestures. They were Animated you, they, people. They were saying you were a wanker. Are you, are you sure it wasn't the bus of uh, the New York Charades team <laughs> going to an away match? No, I'm just saying, like, Lake George is a big mime centre. Like, for example, I can't remember an exact incident, but, like, someone would say something like, Ooh, is it hot on here or what? <laughs> That kind of thing. You've even got though, to, Ollie. Even though they were travelling by themselves. That is sassy. That wouldn't happen. Sassy is exactly what happened. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure that wouldn't happen if you were on a Greyhound bus in Portland. It wouldn't be the same crowd, would it? It happens quite a lot on London buses. Really? Certainly in South London, yeah. A lot See, of sass. See, now North London, the people don't even talk to each other. 
You need to move no to the sass. sassy south. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is a very apt question at the moment because uh, Greyhound buses are actually celebrating their centenary as we speak. Congratulations, Greyhound. Uh, they are doing a tour around uh, a tour around America. Like, that's an unusual thing <laughs> for them to be doing. That's what they're paid to do. So here's what we're doing for our centenary, guys. <laughs> we're going to have a network of buses going interstate. It's just business as normal. Um, what they're doing is some buses are going interstate, they're historic ones. Uh, and well, some the of ones them are going to break down. Yeah, and they're going to have onboard <laughs> museums. Sort of documenting the history of the company. Mm, that keep is, passengers busy for about five minutes well, and then they've fine, got another four-hour journey. Exactly. For a local news story, it's fine. But actually, mm. if that means they've taken even just one bus out of usual service so that they can have a silly corporate exercise for local mm. news, that's one less bus that takes me to Wisconsin. How Not many, happy. How many buses have you ever taken to Wisconsin? Not. Well, it's one less than that. Okay, minus <laughs> one. <laughs> I know that my baby is the absolute best. I put Facebook photos up daily and my friends are impressed Apart from ones who block me because they're jealous Cos their babies are so ugly Well why not build a gallery of your kid on Squarespace With special pages for its cute feet and cute hands and cute face So my Facebook feed won't have your kid all over the place He looks like a scrotum Thanks very much to Squarespace for funding this episode of Answer Me This. Yes, it is uh, thanks to the uh, patronage of Squarespace that uh, we can bring you this episode. But you also should be grateful to Squarespace for providing excellent templates to help you design beautiful websites. And get ready to leak gratitude all over the place because oh. also they're offering 10% off for a whole year if you sign up to their service and use the code ANSWER. Here's a question from Tyler in Manchester who says... I go through a lot of toasters. <laughs> well, every questionnaire brings their own skill to the table, yeah. don't they? It's best to eat the bread. Uh, <laughs> I, I am on to my third toaster in 12 months. I've had the same toaster since 1999. Yeah, well, internet dating, this is what it's doing to people, Helen. It's making everyone promiscuous. Dilettantes. <laughs> Tyler says, uh, the previous two toasters had not proved fit for purpose. Do you think he thinks they're for warming up the house with? <laughs> I was watch the Bourne films too much and he puts books in there. Does that happen? I, lo- I love that bit of the bomb. What happens? <laughs> I think he, he rolls up a magazine, mm. puts it in the toaster, turns the gas on, exits the house, and it blows oh, up. Oh, wow. So good. In Where- Born 2. Whereas actually what would happen... Is, <laughs> is it would pop? Yes. Because he'd only put it on to warm. Yeah, nothing dramatic uh, about that. As if Tyler hadn't thrilled you enough, Ollie, mm. he continues, I always use Warburton's bread. Me too. Tribute to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and its normal-sized slice loaves are always too big to fit into what would appear to be the standard toaster slot size. Buy another toaster then. Stop buying the oh, same type uh, of toaster. Yeah, that's the thing. What would appear to be the standard toaster size. No, Tyler, you're buying tiny toasters. I think that's right. Because mm. my parents have got toaster with a long slot so they can cook pita bread in it. That's mm. what you need. That will fit almost well, any width of bread. Y- mm. Mm. Long slot, I don't know. What he needs is uh, width. No, it's saying long because one has to trim the crusts before insertion. Oh, I see. Oh, OK, yeah. interesting. I was thinking thickness. Nope. In, 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 and if it Normal size sliced loaves. For all those of you out there who do have a problem with thickness, uh, obviously you would be looking for the ones that deal with bagels. Yes. Wouldn't you? There's expanding ones for you as well. There's toasters for every type of personality. And yet Tyler keeps buying the wrong one. Tyler still struggles. It's almost like it's not the bread that's thick, but him. (laughs) (laughs) Deep burn. Or setting five. (laughs) Take the bread with you when buying a toaster and make sure that it fits in it. Since you always buy the same bread, you weirdo. I'm not sure that's going to fly in Argos. Tyler says, I often require toast when drunk and on these occasions will dispense with the necessity of cross trimming do it before you go out, opting instead to forcefully stuff the bread into each slot, resulting over time in irreparable damage to the toaster. But 
then surely the following morning you can wake up and clean the toaster. It's only irreparable damage if you keep forcing bits of bread into it. I think Tyler must keep forcing bread into it. <laughs> yeah. But why don't you just cut the slices in half? Then you don't have to do anything particularly fiddly. That's yeah. Rip it in half. Those why are two is, brilliant solutions. Why is everything so difficult for what Tyler? What Jamie Oliver yet- would say is he'd say, great tip, money-saving meal. You come back, you've had a few drinks, been out with the lads. You come back, you want a toasty, you want Jamie's toasty, cheesy Marmite yeah. treat. What he'd do is he'd prepare it in some sort yeah. of plastic and then put it in the freezer, ready to go mm. into the freezer. They'd be half size, the crust would already be off. He'd yep. say, prepare a year of hangover meals and keep it in the freezer for when keep you need it. Keep your toast in the freezer. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's what he'd do. What I don't understand is how Tyler has not figured this out and yet has sent us an email which is perfectly punctuated and spelt. <laughs> Tyler says, the other night saw me several sheets to the wind and predictably I reached for the bread and a large jar of Marmite and approached the toaster determined to make toast as Mr Warburton intended (laughs) fully crusted (laughs) I inserted the two slices awkwardly Mm. and pushed down the handle can you guess what happened next? Can you? Can it's you? pretty exciting, it's a suspense. isn't it? Someone call HBO. This guy has a series <laughs> in him. This is like a horror film, isn't it? <laughs> the bread popped straight back up again. I tried again. It popped back up again. Right. With the dogged optimism of the perpetual drunkard, I tried a third time with the same result. Oh, see, in a fairy story, the third time something different would happen and you'd learn a life lesson. The toast fairy comes yeah, exactly. and magically shrinks the toast at perfect. It was then that I realised the toaster wasn't plugged in. Right. Once plugged in, the mechanism kicked into action. Mm. I have noticed this with previous toasters. Oh, you're more observant than I'd thought. You can't engage the bread-holding slot unless the toaster is switched on. <laughs> so... Finally, yes. Ollie, answer me this. All right. Why don't toasters... Why won't someone let me end my life? <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to give. Toaster in the bar. Uh, <laughs> why don't toasters allow you to do this when the power is off? Is it some sort of safety function? Okay. Why don't toasters allow you to engage the toast holding mechanism... Indeed. ...when they're not plugged in? Yes. Is that right? That's the question he's asking. Yes. And also, I would say, if you've been using the toaster too much, then it will pop the bread up until it's had a chance to cool down a bit. So right. the, the, the answer is obvious, isn't it? Well... Is it? The answer, as I see it, is... B- because it is the action of pushing the toast down, which activates the heat in most toasters... Mm. Imagine if, Tyler, the toaster was unplugged, as it was when you were forcefully trying to push Mr Warburton's finest down into its crevices, <laughs> and you'd succeeded... In locking the mechanism. Yes. But mm-hmm. there was no bread in there at all. Oh, damn. Imagine you then turn the plug on and the heat was activated. Mm. You could then cause a fire. Even if the bread was in there and you'd just forgotten about it by the time you switched the plug on. Yeah, because Kaboom. you're so drunk. No, that's not, that, that's not the reason. Cause right. you, because that could still happen when the toast was on, couldn't it? You could still do the same thing. You still push the mechanism down while it was on. I think the more reasonable reason is, let's say you depress it, you start toasting, it, the toast gets really, really hot, you, um, you turn it off, but there's still residual heat coming through the system, and so you, the toast continues to heat, and that's when it could cause a fire. And you, at that point, you'll have wandered off, mm. left it unattended. Well, well anyway, yes, it is a safety function, isn't it? Yeah. Whichever, whichever thesis you accept, <laughs> it's obviously a safety function, and, and quite yeah. a sensible one. And I'm still searching for that toaster which throws the toast up into the air like in adverts. Or in the Morecambe and Wise sketch. Yeah, never found one. I think the whole idea of the uh, dramatic popping toaster has actually been in decline since the 1950s. I think people prefer a subtle emotion these days. Mm. If anything, I think toast has been in decline for the last couple of decades, but apparently now it's the new 
ridiculous artisanal trend food. Well, of course it is, because all of these artisanal trend foods are about taking something for which the ingredients are very cheap and then charging you too much money for them so as to maximise profits. If you can do it with hot dogs and burgers and now popcorn, Mm. hello, it's corn, then obviously, yeah, the next thing would be just bread. Absolutely, because, yeah, if you charge a hipster five quid for bread and it costs you a slice of 5p, yeah, Yeah. brilliant. I remember in the um, early 90s there was an item on Watchdog because uh, yeah, remember in the pop tart adverts, mm. the pop tart would fly up and people would grab it and eat it and, and eat their pop tart. Yes, people actually tried Burn to yourself, yeah. people actually tried to do that, and it, of course it's full of molten mm. <laughs> liquid. And uh, there was a whole there was a whole TV program about people that had got something directly out of the toaster, grabbed it, and tried yeah. to eat it. Even the As slogan, it, do you remember? So hot, they're cool. Yeah. So hot, they're cool. They mean two different types of heat and coolness. Though it's one a is very temperature, clever piece the other of wordplay by Kellogg's. Mm. It's a very dangerous piece but of wordplay. It's word a dangerous play. piece of wordplay. Yeah. I, I think Tyler, do not attempt the pop tarts. You're not ready. <laughs> oh. oh, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of Answer Me This. But don't worry, because if you supply questions by email, phone or Skype, well, there will be another episode of Answer Me This. That's all I ask of you. (laughs) Uh, So go to our website, answermethispodcast.com to observe our contact details and also to find out where we are on Twitter and Facebook. And all that remains for us to say is very big thanks again to squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode. Thank you very much. Uh, And And uh, we have other podcast side projects, which... Which we do, which you might like to know about. To keep you going for the next two weeks before we're back with the next episode. Currently, I am the presenter of a new uh, podcast which is all about the media in Britain. And what's it called? Uh, it is called The Media Podcast, Where did they get that idea from? <laughs> um, and you can find it at themediapodcast.com. Uh, so check that out. Helen, your side project? Well, I'm doing Sound Women. Obviously, I'm going to start uh, Eat My Fact. <laughs> yeah. uh, every Thursday when there isn't an episode of Answer Me This, I am putting posts up on our website with other podcasts I've been listening to and been in so if you're interested in extra ear matter then uh, check those out and martin i am uh, involved in a podcast called brain train which is uh, clever people asking other clever people questions about clever things sounds a bit elitist uh it's cool actually it's good fun uh, this week was about tenancy law but it's which, is, which is way more interesting than it sounds so i do really recommend I think i'm interested in tenancy law yeah it's why like uh, let's why... not have the discussion now not that interesting listen, yes listen yes. Brain... brain train brain listen train to... podcast on soundcloud and uh, listeners we just beseech you to join us again in a fortnight for more answer me this Bye! Bye. Bye.